Josh Gray. Hi, Scott. What's going on? Oh, you know. Back again, back again. <laughs> Here we are. Just us. Yep. Just the two. That's what the people want. <laughs> Some of the ones that just you and I end up actually popping off. I don't know why. Probably because we're disgusting freaks. We talk about weird shit. <laughs> I was talking to someone in here the other day, one of the dudes that works in here. Mm. And when we switched to video, he was like, man, Josh does not match his voice. <laughs> Fucking what? Like, what, I want to know what people... Because that's not, that's not the first time I've heard that. Mm. It's like, I want to know what people think I'm going to look like. Yeah. It's weird, man. Like, Because he said that he goes, oh, he's, his voice is like higher than he... Then his body looks. <laughs> so you have a very soft voice. I have a soft voice. I had someone say to me the other day, what did she say? It was like, you have a, a nice voice, like it, was, it would be good for voiceovers or something. I'm like, what planet are you on? <laughs> Career change. I think I sound fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Man, I was in the gym the other day and I, that's the only time I see like network television mm-hmm. and all the adverts are so outrageously Australian. Like, all, all the fucking adverts are like, oh, g'day, blokes, you fucking all right. Like, I was like, no one speaks like this. Except Josh when he's in LA. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Maybe I'm just not around people that do speak like that. But if they're selling beer, it's just like to the blokes. 100%. You need to be uh, one with the people. You need to be, um, what's the word? Relatable. I find it, con- I always find it condescending. I always find like Australian advertising condescending. It's probably because it is. They're, they're appealing to the lowest common denominator, you've got to remember. Mm. This is true. Especially who watches fucking network television these days. True. SBS On Demand gets you, though. Do you, do you have that? Absolutely not. It's brilliant. It's got, like, better shows than Netflix. Really? Yeah, it's got, like, HBO shit. It's not saying much, though, to be honest. Netflix. But it's got adverts in it. So it's just Oof. confusing because you'd be watching and then it would, like, switch to an ad and you're like, what like, the what fuck is, is this? What is this? I, I don't have the time to deal with ads. You see Netflix's share price plummeted the other day? What's going on? They were anticipating an extra 2.2 million users uh, onboarded onto the platform over X amount of time and it went negative 200,000. For the first time since its inception, Netflix's share price dropped. I think it's because people have just hit peak consumption. Like, There's nothing on Netflix that I want to watch. No. And now it's hit the point where it's like, it's almost like, the documentaries that they're bumping, they're bumping out, there's better fucking YouTube ones because kids are so good on YouTube now at researching and stuff. 100%. So it's like, yeah, I've watched, I've watched so much shit on that. I was scanning through and I was like, why did I watch that Dr. Death? Like, I don't give a fuck. You know, I did watch that fucking, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the Jimmy Savile. Um, oh my God. How fucking grim was that? Fuck, he was a creature, wasn't he? But the thing is, he looked, if you were just like, what does a pedophile look like? That, it, you need to really take some people at face value. If I have kids and someone looks like Jimmy Savile, they can be the nicest person in the world. I'm not, I'm not hanging, I'm not letting my kid hang out with them. But the one thing that I took away from it, and it was an interesting point in that he was an enigma to the wider population. Like he, he went through all those interviews where he really wouldn't elaborate much on who he actually was, what he did, where he lived. He was like, shrouded with like anonymity and in today's day and age it's impossible to do like if you're in the public eye like that instagram facebook fucking twitter you're constantly putting content out back then it was like he was on top of the pops and you might see him like riding his bike down the road like a fucking weirdo um but like no one fucking knew 
Well, the weirdest thing about that was that he was constantly telling people in interviews that he was a fucking pedophile. So yeah. you're watching it and you're just like, He's like, oh, they don't let me at the girls, young girls' schools anymore. And, and everyone's like, oh, Jimmy. So funny. And when you look at that in context, you're like, oh, Jesus my God. Jesus Christ, that's fucking and bad. And I was surprised because some, some of the people were pressing him pretty hard. Mm. Like that one presenter, he's like, oh, you said that you've like slept with heaps of women. Like we can't find a single woman that says she slept with you. And he gets like real shut down and weird. How weird's that, man? In Perth, you could fucking... This gives us a good throw to... Young Tony with the mic now, who's not going to be on camera. You grew up in the UK, so how was Jimmy Savile a fucking a part of it? Yeah, one hundred percent. He's like, um, I guess, a cultural figure uh, it, just for like his charity work, because he wasn't really on TV as a presenter when I was when I was a kid. Uh, this was like the nineties, early two thousands. But you'd see him like comic relief and. You know, just doing charity stuff. He was like a, he was he was like a celebrity figure though, right? Because I mean, I knew we, we knew yeah. who he was and stuff. I didn't grow up yeah, in the yeah. UK. Yeah, yeah. Everyone knew who Jimmy Savile was. And he was doing that. The, the the creepiest shit is that he would go and work at the hospital in Leeds, and at another one, and then he would be, and he's like, yeah, this is what I do. I'd be doing this if no one knew who I was and stuff. And that's why he was doing that shit. Isn't it crazy though that, despite the fact he was a disgusting predator. He did so much good. I know. But the thing it's like is... like he rapes, but he saves. <laughs> you know, the weird thing is, like, I wonder if that... And I think they touched on that in the documentary. It's like, if you know that you have a proclivity to... Because that's got to be some sort of an illness, right? Like, it's got to be... There's got to be some fucked up thing. And this happens a lot in the UK, it seems. Like, this is just... I don't know. It's the weather. But people are just fucking dark and touch kids. And um, it's one of those things where it's like... He was trying to balance the. He was trying to fix the checks and balances, because he was a Christian, right? So he was always Catholic. So he's like, when I'm, he kept saying, when I'm at the gates, and they say, oh, you did this, this, and this bad. He can go, yeah, but I did this, this, and this. Yeah, and that's actually they, was kind of like the way what was driving. I hope him. they forgive my sins. He was also touching like older women as well, though. Like he wasn't just like he wasn't just he wasn't discriminating. Kids, no, he's no. <laughs> touching everyone. Anyone can get it. <laughs> It's fucking super grim, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. It's dark though, man. It's dark. That's got to be a fucking... It's, it's obviously an illness. Like, there's... there's pe- some people need to be put down for that shit because it appears that if you get some power, you seem to have more of a proclivity to be a creep. Like, look at all of the... Um, what's his name? The... the Sex Island place. And yeah, Epstein. Epstein and all that stuff. Like, Do you think it's like because you can have whatever you want, you want the things that you can't have, and then that's just how it manifests? I don't... I can't... I don't know. Maybe people don't talk about it enough for that to be like part of a conversation like because it's so fucking scary. Tell me about your personal experience. <laughs> <laughs> I managed to dodge that shit, like the Matrix, fortunately. But I know so many people didn't, man. Like, if you grew up in, um, yeah, you grew up in, I don't know, Catholic, uh, Catholic church, mm-hmm. you were probably pretty high, highly likely to. But I never had any fucking anything too sketchy happen to me when I was a kid. Not but neither. there's people doing weird shit. Like, it definitely fucking happens. And it definitely happens a lot. And it fucks people up. Because you think about, like, we spoke about things where 
you start to you start to realize as you come into your 30s and stuff that like your childhood experiences definitely make some sort of a there's they they create patterns of behavior and they create things that you take into your adulthood and then you realize that you're a bit of a fucking mess and you start working them out and you realize where they come from fucking chance do you have of that if you were like jerked off by your uncle true i don't think he really had any like troubling childhood in that sense i think it's like he had a fairly decent childhood who savile yeah but i mean you know even if he did you're not going to fucking put that in the documentary the shocking jimmy because you don't want people to, you don't want to feel sorry for him yeah, right you don't want to humanize that. but there is definitely a line where it hits the abused you know they got like the abused and then the abuser sort of thing where people who have been abused can become abusers or whatever i don't know what the fucking rules are with that but there, there is a line where you're like we feel sorry for you and then now you're a monster. One of the saddest things I think about that whole documentary was when they talked to that woman who he abused in the church when she was like 12 or 11 or something and she like blamed herself for oh it. Oh my God. She's like, why didn't I scream out? Why didn't I say something? And that's like, I think it's a common theme with people who have been like molested and abused. It's like, imagine being put through that and still feeling like it's your fault. Like, that's that's a terrible fucking thing to have to endure. I've spoke to, to friends and other people close to me, like, over the years that have been... And, and it is it is shocking how many people have been... How many girls, especially, have had some form of abuse. Whether it's, like, fucking boyfriend or someone when they were growing up and stuff like that. And it takes a lot of people a long time to not blame themselves or to not because the rationale is like i shouldn't have put myself in that position or i shouldn't have done this or i the the controlling one that a lot of dudes do is is that like you know you made me you drove me to this sort of thing it's like i've never punched a woman like or any of that sort of stuff you know like it's like there's levels that's not a normal thing it's not an acceptable thing and i think like part of that when that whole kind of me too movement came out and stuff i know that people were like it's a witch hunt and stuff, but there's a bunch of people that probably needed to be fucking weeded out for that shit. hundred percent. But to a degree, it's almost like an overcorrection. And that sounds... sounds <laughs> Let's backtrack on that. <laughs> kind of yes, kind of no. Because if you think about it right, we've all seen that and it, it's framed almost as comedy now, but you see like the old wives handbook. It's like the wife handbook is, you know, you have dinner ready for when your husband comes home. You do this for your husband and, you know, the husband is like up here and you're down here. And that was like socially accepted by both sexes. And now it's like it's swung so far to the other side. I, it's like, don't get me wrong, like abuse of power, um, consent, all that sort of stuff, super important and it should be. But there is almost an overcorrection where people who might have like made a, a mistake slightly more innocent are getting pulled into this whirlpool of of blanket like condemnation i think theoretically but i don't fucking know anyone that has remember as is yeah like during the whole harvey weinstein thing he got pulled into the conversation with a mass rapist and like sexual co- coercionist and uh, all he did was kind of have sex. No, was it oral sex? It was like it a was, bad date by the sounds date, of it. Yeah. yeah, it was like an it was an awkward thing, but it certainly didn't. I mean, I can't. It, it's hard to fucking know, but I think there's 
I think there's maybe an irrational fear there for men now to be like, oh, I'm going to get pulled into this. But the reality is that if you're not that sort of person, like if someone came into me now and was like, kicked the door in up here and was like, you're a murderer, you murdered someone, you're a murderer, I'd be like, you're fucking insane. I've no, I obviously haven't murdered someone. If someone comes at you and says some shit that you're absolutely not, it doesn't, it, it goes off your back like, a, like water off a duck's back, you know what I mean? That's why they say that things can only offend you and upset you if they have some form of truth to them. So if you're not that sort of person, you haven't done those sorts of things, you don't really have anything to fear. Yeah, but murder and sexual misconduct, I'm not mm. talking about like rape or assault. Like I'm very putting those two in very different buckets, but like se- like m- sexual misconduct, like you've come onto a girl too hard where she wasn't really keen or something like some of these people have been accused of and murder, there's like, you wouldn't give a fuck because you're not a murderer and the, there's a burden of proof. Like, okay, where's the fucking the DNA and shit? Yeah, but this is where, I think this is what it comes down to is like there is a fear of what you're talking about there, right? But I think it's not a rational fear. And you talk about like the pendulum swinging back. Like we grew up and there was books that were like, do you remember it was Dick and Jane? No. When we were growing up, it was like there was, that was the two kids and Dick would help his dad with the fucking fixing the car while... Jane would help her mum prepare dinner. It was like setting the social norms from such an early age. And then because it was that way and we just grew up with it, that being kind of perpetuated on television and stuff like that, I don't think that there... If there is an overcorrection, it maybe is a minor one. Like, we grew up in a time as well where it was like, sucked a lot of dick to get where I am, like, sort of shit. You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, if you are getting on the cover of playboy and then hugh hefner's there with like six fucking playmates that he's sleeping with and everyone's like oh hugh hefner and stuff it's creepy as fuck and you watch have you seen that bombshell film no it's the all the female um, presenters on was it like nbc i never saw it it's fucking really worth watching because it was like people got put in that position for these jobs that were really obviously like super highly competitive and then you'd have super creepy old dudes being like, well, if you want the job, you've got to do this. And if you don't do this, then we'll just give it to someone that will. So you then need to be like, well, I've got a career. I've, pu- I've pursued this career. I've pushed it to this point. Should I have to now also do this in order to do that? It's like, that's not acceptable. If you had a daughter, that wouldn't be acceptable, right? If there was a true correction not even overcorrection, then the exact thing would happen in the inversion that's not what's happening people are coming i think there's some like shouting and yelling which all we know is that that's essentially on the fucking internet if you're not on the internet looking at that shit i think because that's happening people are like scared of you know scared of them coming and and putting that on you at some point but the reality is that that's not, it's not really what it's, what's happening. Like, I think the internet will really push things, especially with celebrities or people that are sort of well-known. But as for average people that are living average lives, I don't think anyone's going to come out of the woodwork and be like, you did this, you did this, and everyone's going to go, oh my God, I'm never fucking dealing with that person again. Mm. I know a lot of people that have been in like relationships where you're, where they're fucking arguing and at each other's throats and stuff like that. And, 
even in even in those circumstances, I think that there is some sort of a social norm for like a bad relationship and people being kind of toxic towards each other and they need to get out of that. But you don't need to... I don't think anyone needs to be super worried about like being fucking cancelled. For starters, I don't think you're going to be cancelled unless you're a fucking celebrity anyway. True. Or if one of the people is a celebrity. I had a um, booking agent that that rep me and he was like a big booking agent in australia and he had to go away for a while like he had to stop doing it all like he wasn't like a he was well known in the music industry but he was dating a girl that was a she was like a big instagram influencer and he used to say to me like oh man she's you know she's useless (laughs) like she he's like basically she you know she can't register a car she can't do all these things and then she broke up with him and then came out with the like he emotionally abused me and i was i remember thinking back on that and i was like oh i don't know because you're telling me that you're like registering a car for her you're doing this you're doing that and i was like that sounds like a nice guy thing to do but if for someone if someone was like really dark and controlling then they'd be doing those things being like, you can't do it. You can't live without me. You can't do anything True. without me. Don't leave me. So True. like, you don't know what's going on in the fucking underbelly. You don't know what's going on behind closed doors in any relationship, really. The problem is the fucking, the watermark for like, in, in your example of like having a relationship and, and doing things for someone like that, the watermark. Benchmark. Well, yeah, watermark, benchmark, same shit. I think um, the watermark's like not the same as a benchmark. Yeah. Is it? I don't think it's the same. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, of course not. Watermark's like something you put on a fucking photo. God, Josh. I'm tired, bro. Um, The, yeah, like the benchmark is constantly shifting in the sense that what might have seemed chivalrous at one point now can be construed as controlling depending on the way the story's told. It's context, though. It is 100% Because you could be... But you'll never never get context, like legitimate, true context, if you're talking to two people in the same environment with two differing points of view. If you take a relationship, for example, it's it's in a vacuum. No one else has the insight other than those two people. One person sees it as controlling. One person sees it as like, I'm being a, a good boyfriend. The only person that can really tell which it was is... Those two. Yeah, but I think in reality, if it is controlling, then they both know. The problem is that when you air your dirty laundry publicly, it's kind of like whichever story breaks first, I suppose. Speaking of airing dirty laundry, you can see like the whole Johnny Depp, Amber Heard things popping off right now. I saw like a, a, I I saw something on it, but I didn't, I I, I know nothing about it. There was something about shit. This is how I get my news from you in, this, in these yeah. circumstances. Because it, it, was, it was on my YouTube and I was like, I don't care. And look, I know, I know fuck all, to yeah. be honest. Let's, let's, let's just fucking run with what we do know and just pretend we know, we know it all. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Someone's shouting the bed, <laughs> basically. But and like, they're in court for that. Yeah, no, I think... It's a biological attack. Essentially, like, Amber was saying that Johnny was bashing her and controlling her and... And doing all of this shit and trying to take his money and all the rest of it. And Johnny Depp, he's kind of a weirdo. I mean, let's mm. face facts. You look at him and you're like, he's, he's clearly not fucking all there. But um, it's she, she fucking lost. 
Big JD took home the dub. He won. And she was the one beating him up. Oh, yeah, that's the... that's I, Yeah, I did read something about that. Fucking hell. It's like, what do you do in that circumstance? It's, it's another level that we could never really comprehend. Imagine having... Imagine being Johnny Depp, one of the most fucking prolific actors to ever walk the planet, having to sit in court and having to discuss, like, being bashed by your missus or someone taking a shit in your bed or, you know, and she's gone through the whole thing of... You can just imagine, like, they're catching a private plane to Australia and Amber's like, I'm bringing the dogs, Johnny. <laughs> and Johnny's like, for fuck's sake, Amber, you know you can't because we got fucking, what's his face, Norman fuck, fuck wand, <laughs> the, the immigration quarantine master over here going, you can't bring any fucking pets in. And she's like, well, Johnny, I'm fucking doing it. What are you going to do about it? And he's just like, oh, for fuck's sake, all right, just fucking bring the fucking dogs. Imagine going to court with an ex-girlfriend and just having to go through every argument because it's like no one's wrong. Imagine. Like no one's fucking wrong. Like you, the problem is that you have an argument and you're both kind of justified in, the, in what you're arguing about. You're both upset about something, but then defenses get involved. And then it's, there's, no comp, there's nothing after that. It's just like you're just throwing fucking rocks at each other. <laughs> and then it's the shit that's said in the throwing rocks that becomes the problem. It's like, yeah, but you said this. And it's like, yeah, but that kicked off because of this. And you're like, you, you can't kill the head vampire and expect all the rest of the vampires to die. Like, they're still out there. <laughs> they're still out there biting people. Like. Really good analogy. <laughs> <laughs> but don't take your shit to... The thing is, if you're a celebrity, you're just going to be like... I think in that, in that sense, it's probably... Maybe, I don't know. I, I know nothing, obviously, but like... They probably they've split up. I imagine it's yeah. the next. So she's like, "I'm going to do this, this, and this." And normally, in that circumstance, the dude with the money would just be like, "Here's a bunch of money. Please don't do that. I don't want to be fucking memed, and it's going to be damaging to my career." And she's like, "I fucking know it is." So he's either gone. I'm not paying you. Let's go. Let's go to court. I'm Captain Jack Sparrow. We're good. <laughs> Savvy. <laughs> Or maybe we're now in the era of that not necessarily that being an because ad- it's always been an admission of guilt, right? It always appears that way because you have so many people paying. So like Michael Jackson paid off the families of mm-hmm. tons of kids, apparently. Um, but yeah, you would you just be? It sounds like he got some bad advice, or she was like, "Nah, I'm going to the wall with this. Like, I'm not taking any money. You're going to be in court." It's going to be on public record and I'm going to talk about he shot the bed. Yeah. Who shot the bed? I don't know. I, w- I should have fucking looked How it up. How does that come out in court? Oh, Amber no. shot on his bed. Uh, what, as like an act of defiance? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think um, the story is she was trying to blame it on the dog. But it was, <laughs> There's a big difference. They're between little, the they're little dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. You get... Has that dude won an Oscar before? I don't know. Like you, you're a, you're a fucking very well known figure, and then you're just like everyone's just talking about shit in your bed. You'd just be like, for fuck's sake. I think his social points have actually gone up after this, though. Like he had, I caught a snippet because, like, in my office they've got this TV in the like the kitchenette or whatever that's like playing TV constantly, and I was sitting there eating my lunch, watching it, and Amber Heard's personal assistant was talking about how, like, amazing Johnny is 
and how amazing Johnny is with like her young son. Like he'd bring him up whenever they were together and like teach him how to play guitar. And she was just like singing his fucking praises. And I think that was really like the silver bullet, eh? Because he came out of that and you can see him. He's just like smiling. And I think, I think he was smiling from a place of this is genuinely like warming, heartwarming. But on the flip side, he could also be smiling going, this bitch is fucked. Plus, you're an actor. You've been an actor your whole life. Like, you can be convincing. (laughs) Like, don't go to court against an actor. Like, he's going to fucking play a really, really good role. Like, Judge Judy would have seen through his shit. (laughs) That's the craziest shit, though. Like, man, just being... Having to air... Because it becomes public record, right? Unless you're... um, Ghislaine Maxwell, right? Yeah. They close that shit off because they know that she's got names. Yeah. But that's the craziest shit. Like, I'm not... I'm genuinely not, like, a deep state conspiracy theorist person. But there is very high probability that, like, most of the prolific figures that we have grown up around were complicit in that shit going on. Because you got to think, if if, if Prince Andrew was doing... was, Was on that island fucking underage women which is almost definitely what was happening right you think that the the royal family don't know about that like can you imagine like if i fucking if i met a member of the royal family they're gonna know everything about me anyway like this there's it's an institution Mm -hmm. and they know like tabloids are there doing this i was waiting for tabloids to come out and be like yeah we've been being paid off by the fucking royal family for like 30 years I'd be surprised if they hadn't been. But that's where, like, she's got all that fucking... She's being caught. And even the way she was caught, she was just, like, in a house. Like, she was just living in fucking... Was it, like, Portland? She was in America. Mm. So I think she was like, you can come and get me if you want, but you don't want to hear what I have to say, so it's best you guys don't. Yeah. Well, her her dad owned, I think it was the News of the World. It was a multi-billionaire, but it's rumoured it's strongly suggested that he was a Mossad, Mossad, Mossad agent. agent. Yeah. He got killed, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what they reckon. Like pushed off a boat or, or something. But um, his funeral had all these high-level Israelis come to uh, see him off. I wish I knew some of the underbelly shit, but on the, on the flip side, I'm kind of glad I didn't. Like I saw in the news the other day, like a Russian oligarch got found in his like multi-million dollar Moscow apartment. He's... It was framed as he... It was a murder-suicide. He killed his wife, pregnant wife, killed his 14-year-old daughter, and then shot himself. Now... In the back of the head as well. Yeah, which Did is, he really? No. Oh, <laughs> Twice. Twice in <laughs> Twice. the head. But, like, fucking... I don't, I don't know about... Like, imagine... Could you, could you shoot your pregnant... You could probably shoot your pregnant wife if she... If, you know, if th- that's not that out of this world, but your fourteen-year-old daughter, people are capable of shit. And you need to think: if you did kill in a in a in a moment of rage, like you'd be like, "What have I done?" And then the daughter walks in, and you're just like, "Oh, I've done it again." I don't know. Like, what you? <laughs> you're the gun. You're just gonna be trigger happy. <laughs> I don't know, man. People do dark shit. Moscow's a weird place, man. I'd love to go there one day. I worry because I watch too much dark shit. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was on I had my YouTube on, on my TV up the other day, and it's just like I just watch like prison shows and fucking murders. Like I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? 
and Man United, which is probably the most depraved of all the three at the moment. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just like, man, I need to start watching some shit that's a little bit more fluffy and happy. Like, 100%. I'd insert some cat videos in there. Yeah, I got a lot of those interrogation videos going through my YouTube recommendations at the moment. It's a really dark place, man. It can be, but the thing is, I think it's only as dark as you allow it to be, right? Because the more darkness that you look into, the more it comes to you. But I mean, look at the best, the best shows on Netflix, the best fucking like trending number one in Australia is like Gacy and fucking, you know, pedophiles. Mm-hmm. I think fear and like, I don't know, maybe we all just want to murder and we're just like, Ooh. maybe we can just watch someone do it. We're all just one big argument away from shooting our daughter in the back of the head. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Christ. <laughs> well, this is really starting on a, a dark yeah, fucking path. taking a dark turn. <laughs> um, Melbourne tomorrow. We are. We're going on a plane for the first time in fucking two years. Um, yeah. I don't. Mine's been quite a fucking while. Do you think it's going to be like a fucking flop? Like, get there and you're like, oh yeah, this is what it was like. Take me back to Perth. Well, for Melbourne? Yeah. Man, I'm not enthused. Like, I'm, I'm, Jack's fight got cancelled for those people that are listening. So I feel terrible for Jack because that's his second title defence that's been cancelled in a row. But then fortunately, it was kind of a blessing in disguise. He got COVID anyway, like right at that time. And he now gets to fight in Perth, which is really cool because he gets to like uh, defend his title in Perth. But, but was, two full training camps to I was, be cancelled. I was thinking about it. it. Like, um, it's really... It's pissed me off, um, like, for Eternal, in the sense, like, this is people's careers we're talking about. And it's like, we're using, well, we, fucking, they are using the Eternal promotion as a springboard into their next phase. So, Jack wants to go fight in the UFC, for example. He, if he had won that title defense, there's a high probability he would have gone to contender series or got picked up or, or whatever. The fact that he now he's gone through two camps, two fights cancelled, he doesn't get that opportunity as readily. Um, and I, I wonder, I mean, there was some, there's some theories around why it got cancelled and we'll never know. I heard potentially there were some injuries and poor ticket sales. But, like, imagine if they cancelled it purely because of ticket sales. Like, that's people's careers you're, you're playing with, people's mm. livelihoods you're playing with over some money. Like... Fucking put the fight on anyway. Put it on in uh, Melbourne Town Hall or some shit. Scale it down, but let them fucking let them fight. It's it's really surely sad. they would no because they've got pay per view deals and like they've got uh, fight pass deals and stuff. They would have to. I don't think fight pass would be like yeah. They they would have signed a contract for a number of fight pass. Yeah, but I'm, I'd go out on a limb here and say that Eternal would be footing the bill to to produce that. Um, they have to pay the, all the people, Probably, yeah. all the security and all the rest of it. Like the overheads to put on a show like that would be massive. And don't get me wrong, it's a business, but that's that's the duplicity in it in that you've got to support the people that are fighting on your promotion, give them the opportunity to go and do bigger things because it's just going to bring more light. But that's not what it is. It's a business and it, you're looking at it. It's the same as the music industry, which we spoke about a bunch of times. They... The musician's just the commodity. The fighter's just the commodity. There's always going to be more fighters. They, they're not invested in fighters. Like, they might, they might be invested in it, which is why they got into it. Like, I love fighting and I want to, you know, bring people up and stuff. But at the end of the day, if you owned that promotion, you'd be like, 
we're not going to lose money so that you can get into the fucking UFC. Yeah. But it puts it puts the fighters in a, in a rough position because especially in Australia, there's nowhere else they can go. It's fucking crazy. It just sucks. I feel sorry for him. Whatever happened to Hex? Because that used to be the... Yeah, Jack fought on Hex. Big. Yeah, didn't Hex... That was the one that Izzy was on as well. I th- I'm pretty sure it was Jack and Izzy on that fight where... Yeah. Didn't Hex become Eternal? I'm not sure. Maybe. I don't know that much. I only know because I've just watched Jack fight on things. But yeah, the Melbourne trip started prepping today because we're leaving in the morning. And um, I got a brand new suitcase. When I travelled last, I was in the UK and I was heading home and I was just on my phone and I saw that there was like a deal on, on InCase, which is like a luggage. They made a bunch of luggage and they were selling it mad cheap. And I thought, well, I travel all the time, so I'm going to invest in some fucking some decent luggage because you know like you get a fucking um suitcase and it lasts you like i don't know maybe maybe two international trips if you buy like a a general a general suitcase and then the wheels fucking start not working properly and one of the zips is busted and you see it comes through the carousel and it's like (laughs) it's fucking hanging open like so i was like man i'm gonna I'll, i'll get some decent luggage so i bought this thing and then i'd never been on a plane since so it's just been sitting in my storeroom so today I was like, man, I got it out. Still had tags on it and shit. And I was like, this is going to be great. Opened it up. And then I was just doing some washing and getting stuff together because I'm going for two weeks. So I was just trying to figure out exactly what it was that I was going to take. And my cat was like, cats have this innate knowledge that you're going somewhere if you get a suitcase out. The same way they know that they want to eat birds, even though they don't know what one looks like because they've just been in a house the whole time. So... My cat just sits in my, um, in my suitcase and he's not looking at me and he's really still. And I thought, oh, he's being emotional, he's being weird. And I pulled my phone out to take a photo of him and he was pissing. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what the worst part of it is? It's completely my fault because last night I cleared his kitty litter out. Took it, I just put it in a big bag and then I took it downstairs and I forgot to fi- refill it. So he's been walking around meowing and I'm just like, what are you meowing about? But he's like, man, I need to piss and I don't have a toilet. So <laughs> my suitcase got it. So he's and currently cat, drying. cat piss is like oh my God, the dude. fucking, the worst. I have a similar story. I'm just worried that everything is going to stink of cat piss now. Like it's a plasticky sort of thing. Yeah. So I've given it a good wash At least out it doesn't have like a felt lining. Yeah, or it, oh, that was the fortune. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I fucking, um, I don't know what it was with mine. I think, I think it was the same situation. Like I'd just forgotten to like empty it or something. And for whatever reason, I think I was gone for like two days and I came back and I made, I got this fucking, I was on this DIY fucking trip or whatever, went to Kmart and I got like this little marble lookalike or granite lookalike kind of tray and I bought felt from Spotlight. And I fucking cut it you out. some arts and crafts. I know, right? I was bored. I made like a little felt-lined valet tray so I can put my watch and my phone and shit while it's like on my bedside table. So it's like, it's Just nice, So you can right? flex. Okay. To myself. Yeah, yeah. So you, you, get a, you get a real Rolex, but a fake, a fake marble thing <laughs> from fucking, what's the craft store called? Um, Spotlight. No, what's the other one? That... Riot. Riot. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, in all fairness, this thing was pretty dope. Like, it looked really cool. It was heavy. Like, it, it looked like... I'm sure it was very it cool, Josh. Pre- it looked premium. <laughs> anyway, I've come home after this two-day two, two day thing, and I was like... I looked at this valet tray, and I was like, it's full of water. 
And I was like, what? I didn't spill. I didn't have a glass of water. Like, why is it full of water? And I like put my finger in it and I was like, knuckle deep. And I was like, I saw the cow on the floor. I'm like, immediately it's twigged in my head. I'm like, this little fuck's pissed <laughs> in the valet tray that's sitting on my bedside table. I literally had to pick it up, <laughs> terrified that it was going to spill. And I just went, dunk, straight into the bin. Never replaced. But I'm like, that, that cat has never done anything naughty. Like, he's never pissed on the floor. He's never shat anywhere weird. He's like, he doesn't even scratch my furniture. Like, he's so well behaved. This was like so out of character for him. They just do weird shit sometimes. The way he man. looked at me too, he was like, look, bro, I'm sorry. I know. It's Dude, your fault. the power <laughs> dynamic you have with the cat. So, like, Max knows that I, I run shit, right? But they're very territorial. So they'll accept like the king, but they won't accept being under anyone else. So when I was living with Jeremy and Max was just a kitten, he'd established that I fed him, that I like gave him a little slap if he was like, if he shat somewhere bad or something like that. And he was like, okay, well that guy, I require him to be alive. This guy needs to be dominated. (laughs) So he would just walk into Jeremy's room and just piss on his bed. And Jeremy's the nicest fucking guy in the world. So he was just like, Max, what the hell? And then Max would be like, he knows exactly what's up. But they, they do try and dominate people. He's, um, Max is great. I was, in, I was in a car with my friend in Italy once and he had a, a chihuahua. And his chihuahua was like jumping up on me. And he was driving and his chihuahua was jumping up. And I'm like, oh, cute dog. And he goes, no, he's trying to fuck you. And I was like, What? And this dog was trying to climb and like put its dick in my face to be like, you're not shit because it's trying to be in the number two. Like it's, <laughs> and I was like, this isn't a cute dog at all. This is like an evil four-legged animal. Chihuahuas, if they were the size of like Doberman, you would never have one in the house. <laughs> <laughs> you would never have one because they are the biggest little fucks, yappy fucks. Ugh. I've never been a fan of chihuahuas. And anyone that owns one, you're a sociopath. I don't know what it is with them. People just like weird shit. I had a pit bull that I would have happily over a fucking chihuahua at any point. Lee Leela? Leela. Rest in peace. Good dog. Mate, yes, she was great. How did you you come up with... How did you come to the name Max? I'm always I'm always interested in how people come up with names because I put a lot of thought into it. So, for example, Leela, I named her Leela because the guy I got her off. I got her off a guy. She was like four months old. She was like, she was a full purebred pit bull, and you're not allowed to have American pit bull terriers in Australia. You're not allowed to breed them. You're not allowed to have them. If you've got one, it's okay, but you got to like have a red collar around them. They got to be muzzled when you leave the house. You're Yard has to get inspected to make sure, like, it's dog-proof. They can't get out. Like, it's really, really strict. It's a prohibited breed. So she was registered as Staffy Cross. But uh, the guy got her off, had imported her from Sydney from, like, what they call a game-breeding kennel. Like, she was bred as a fighting dog. Um, And I got her off this guy who named her Sheila. Ugh. So she was young enough that I, I could change her name and she, she would be fine, but I wanted to keep it kind of similar. Phonetically, yeah. Exactly. And I was like, what can I name her? And I want it to be like a strong female's name. 
So I named her after Leela from Futurama. Futurama. Who was like a strong woman. Yeah, yeah. Like hell, hell bad boss bitch. So that's where I came up with that name. And Zero, my Siamese now, I named him after Zero Mustafa, the bellboy from Grand Budapest Hotel. My favorite film of all that's time. That's sick. Where did Max come from? Man, to be honest with you, like he potted around for a few days without a name. But I'm always one of the, I'm just one of those people that will like, I was like, you'll figure it, I'll figure it, I'll figure it out and you'll figure it out. And so I was just kind of sitting there with my girlfriend at the time and I was like, because I wanted to call him Vincent, but I knew people would call him Vinny and I fucking hate that. So I was like, and I'd, I wanted just something like super straightforward, but he just looked like a Max to me. I don't know why. And it's stuck and every, no one, everyone's just like, yep, makes sense. If you're listening to this, message us with your pet's name. And how you name them, because I'm super interested in how these these names come about and whether you actually put some fucking thought into it. That's it. I just hate, man, people would be triggered by this, but there was a period where every motherfucker was just calling, like, they had an animal called Biggie. Everyone, the number of French bulldogs going around, Bronx, Biggie, (laughs) Brooklyn. (laughs) Sorry, Delby. (laughs) But, like, yeah, there was a period where everyone was called, like, the number of French bulldogs that called Bronx is astonishing. Massive. They're always fucking basketball fans too. <laughs> Weirdos. <laughs> Same dudes with Wu Tang tattoos. <laughs> Speaking of um yeah messaging us, what did we get? Did we get anything decent? <clears throat> we got a few interesting questions today. Josh from Melbourne did ask an interesting question, but we won't be able to comment on it because we don't know fuck all and we're, we're idiots and we're very... Is that the moon one? No, no, that was, uh, that was BD. But Josh M, he's a uh, jiu-jitsu guy uh, that follows us. He asks CBD for pets and if it's all BS. Now, I have heard anecdotal evidence that CBD with pets is actually very beneficial. Um, I use CBD myself, but the thing is with CBD, it's like you can't really tell what it's doing. It's not like a. It's not like smoking weed where you're like, oh yeah, action, result. <laughs> yeah, yeah. CBD seems to be something that just happens in the background. But I've heard from a, a friend of mine who had a dog dying with cancer that couldn't walk properly. He got it on CBD oil, and the fucking thing starts walking. Yeah, yeah. As an anti-inflammatory, apparently it's really mm-hmm. good. Like my mum uses it for arthritis. Yeah, well, all the fighters are using it. I'm using it at the moment and I feel like, and I don't know whether it's like placebo, but when I stop using it, I feel like I hurt more. <laughs> you know, the best one is I spoke to someone, um, I won't name them, but uh, a guy that I know was telling me that he's, he's kind of the guy that gets on everything that's new and champions it, you know, and he was telling me about um, um, Lion's Mane and oh, shit. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Lion's Mane is apparently really fucking good Okay, so here's the thing. Everyone's like, you know, I bought some of that Lion's Mane. I've been taking it and it's fucking amazing. And I was like, okay. I said, what have you noticed from it? And he goes, I don't know. Like, I just feel better. And like, I, you know, like I feel like I can get to sleep easier and this and that. And I was like, did you notice that you had any sleep problems before? And he's like, no, no, I just, are you just attributing things to this? Cause you just start taking it. It's like the CBD oil, right? Like if you have no ailment and you're taking CBD, it's just fucking snake oil. Essentially. It's the same as if you take a Panadol and you don't have a headache. 100%. But if you have a thumping headache and you take a Panadol, you're like, oh, that really works. Yeah. I question those things, especially when they come up and then they disappear. 
because it happens all throughout life. It was like um, like Zumba and fucking just like <laughs> bullshit fucking workout routines that everyone's just like, it's the biggest thing ever. And then it's never heard of it again. Bro, do you remember in maybe early 90s, like everyone was buying, like everyone's into aerobics for a start. Um, they bought the steppers. Oh yeah, Reebok step, yeah. Bro, I wonder what ever happened to that. They, whoever came up with the stepper would have made a fucking fortune because they were everywhere, eh? Well, Why there was like an that? aerobics fucking boom, boom in the 80s, yeah. Because they mm-hmm. used to do like a aerobics Australia in the mornings on the TV and shit. Oh, I used to love that. <laughs> we used to get it in England as well. If you woke up early enough, it would be on before Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's, is that, is it still a thing? I, I mean, moving, getting your body moving is obviously a good thing. But. That Zumba thing's funny, though. I forgot that that existed. Yeah, and box fit and shit. Well, I mean, that is validity to that. I don't know what the fuck is. Dude, there's validity though. to all of them. True. And at the end of the day, they're always to disguise you moving your body around. <laughs> like, that's it. It's just like, realistically, if you just stood in a room fucking waving your arms around and kicking, like, you're still going to burn calories. <laughs> they're just trying to find ways of just... It's like fucking yoga. Like, I do yoga... And that's just a really good way to get you to stretch for an hour. True. But it feels all fucking like mystical. Like you're not actually stretching. Yeah. It's just ways of tricking you into fucking being healthier. Do you want to tell any stories? Matt from Bali, Matt Ripley, asked about Lord's basketball and whether you still hold the tech foul record there. You went through a stage of getting thrown out of basically every basketball game uh, you ever played, right? It, got, <laughs> it definitely got inflated, but... Yeah, I played, I played a lot of basketball. I probably didn't realize I had like a bunch of misplaced anger at the time. I used to get really fucking upset and like feel like I was really hard done by. I probably had some other issues going on in my life, but yeah, I was ejected quite a few times. Um, <laughs> there was definitely some highlights, not my proudest fucking moments, but there was one where what happens is they they have tribunals, so like if you get fucking ejected from a game they're like oh we're gonna ban you for it was never anything too crazy but you need to then go in front of tribunal and it's like the head referee into it's a joke and they're like well it's just disciplinary action so i had one but what they need to do is if a referee ejects you they need to they need to fill out a report and i've got one i'll post it on the instagram Fuck, I'm nearly 40 years old. This was a while ago. But I... um, The referees are fucking amateur anyway. And you're amateur. You're playing amateur basketball. This dude... They kind of generate... They're just human beings. So they generate a dislike for you. And I felt like there was a fair bit of dislike for me. Because I was really tall. And people were just like... You should be better at basketball. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know exactly what it was. I was quite physical and stuff. I used to... Like, I really enjoyed that. It was, like, kind of my fucking outlet. But I, um, yeah, I got tech foul for something stupid really early on. And I was like, that's fucking stupid. And then I got tech fouled again. And if you get three techs, you get ejected. So the first two are mandatory, right? Like, you get one because you're, you disagree with something. Or the other one was when I used to play, because I was a center, and you were playing against dudes that, predominantly didn't play much basketball a lot of footy players and stuff they just like social league and you'd come down the court and dudes would they do dumb shit like they drop they'd like bang an elbow into you or like just do something cheeky to be like yeah watch out for me and you'd be like fuck do i have to watch out for you for so like as the first ball went up and there was a rebound 
I'd just like slam dudes into the floor and take the foul, like, and be like, we can do this all day if you want. Like that's, or we can just play basketball, but I'm not going to take that. Like, we're not going to do like cheeky little shots. Like what? It's not the fucking NBA. So I used to quite often get texts for that, but it did settle like a balance of power in the game. I had one, one time where this, it was like from tip off and I'd done something and the dude was just like, the ref called some bullshit and I was like, dude, what are you doing? Like this, this is not a fucking foul. It wasn't what it was. And he blows his whistle immediately. Like tech foul, just for like talking to him. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like what the fuck did I just get a tech for? Bang, second tech foul. He's like one more and you're out. And I was like, well, I guess I'm fucking out then. Like what, what are you going to do? Like I'm just going to like bow to this bullshit. So... <laughs> In the report, he said that I called him a fat shit three times. <laughs> and I can't imagine me just going like fat shit, fat shit, like Beetlejuice. You know what I mean? Like the funniest thing is it's scrawled by someone with fucking post-traumatic stress. Like, <laughs> And I, kn- I know you very well. And calling someone a fat shit is definitely something you would have said at least once. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't doubt that I said it once. I just, I'm just surprised at how it would have come up three times. Because in my head all the time, it was like... I'm going now, so like I better salt the earth. Yeah, I did one once that was really bad, and I'm not proud of this at all, at all, at all. I'd played basketball since I was 12. I played pretty high level when I was younger. I played in like the district teams and stuff. And then I was playing, I was probably 23. Delby was on my team, and it was like a bunch of other friends, my brother, a few other people, and we were playing against this team at like old Perry Lakes. There was an older woman, she's probably in her 50s, she was refing. She obviously been having a shitty day and I'm dribbling the ball down the court, which I'd been doing at that point for 14 years. There's no one on me. I'm coming from the back court and she calls me for a carry, which is when your hand goes under the ball and the, it, it stops the movement of the, it basically stops the flow of the ball and then you come back. So you can't just like cradle the ball and then start dribbling again. And she's like, what's your carry? And I was like, what? I was like, dribbling the ball as normal and then she blows a whistle and she's like carry and i was like that's insanity like this is just that i've been doing this every single like i just dribble the ball anyway brush it off go back down the court come back down again she calls me for a carry again so she's just obviously being a dickhead you gotta be fucking kidding me but we're playing against this team and they're fucking cops predominantly i think everyone knows like there was a couple of cop teams and they were just pricks terrible at basketball as well so Come down the court again, dribbling the ball, looking at the ref, like literally trying to have my hands still on the top. Like a preschooler. And this dude that was coming up to guard me was like, what you carry? Like in the, in the <laughs> you know, like a fucking child. Like it's like, and I was just so infuriated. And then she fucking blows a whistle and calls me for a carry. And I was like, I'm going to murder this person in front of me. And then I'm going to deal with you. Like I was so fucking, you just livid because someone is just fucking with you, right? And they have this like the tiniest little bit of power and they're just fucking with you. So I was like, this is a fucking joke. And she's like, blows a whistle. What the fuck do you want me to do? Like, how did you just give me a fucking clinic? Show me how to fucking bounce the ball. Because I clearly have been doing it wrong for fucking 14 years, right? And everyone's just like, well, Scott's gone. (laughs) And then she just blows a whistle again and does the sign for tech. And then I'm like, well, one more and I'm out. So I was like, I need to choose my words, words wisely. So I just called her a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> and the whistle 
She didn't even blow it. It just dropped out of her mouth. And I, in my rage, thought that that was justified. <laughs> it's the, what the fuck? Like, it was the worst thing you could possibly do. To the point where nobody on the court, my brother, my best friend, everyone was like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and even the second ref, like, there's a second ref, and it was like a younger guy. He was like, he was just like standing up because he was just like, I'd clearly gone. And there's like smoke coming out of my ears. Yeah, I sorry. Think we can, we sorry to that woman. I think we can define that move as the Amber Heard. Yeah, dude, it was you just took like, shit in the bed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, have you ever been in one of those positions though, where you do something, you get caught up in a moment, and you say something or do something, and no one can back. Like people, everyone just abandons you, and you're like, oh no, what have I done? Like, I've gone too far. You're out on that limb all by yourself, no support. Well, shout outs to Sean Resnick, who I used to play with, because he, um, apparently he was the reason that they bolted down the, the um, bins <laughs> at Perry Lakes. So you can boot them or throw yeah. them on the way out. But yeah, there was a lot of ejections. Actually, Social leagues are weird, man. I used to play indoor soccer. And, <clears throat> and it was always like against older Italian dudes who took it way too seriously. And we were always younger, so way more athletic than all of them. And usually we would fuck them up. And the way that they would try and circumvent that is by being physical. It's like, bro, you're being physical with a fucking 17-year-old. Like, chill. To the point where Melville Rec Center, a dude brought a gun to the fucking shit and threatened to shoot a man afterwards in our team. I'm pretty sure he, got, he ended up getting arrested. Fucking chill out. It's dude, people get so crazy. I used to referee, um, referee five-a-side... Rebound at Craigie Leisure Center. I did it for years. And um, I was just watching, I think it was like half time in one of my games, and I was just looking across. I used to ref like the 12 year old kids and stuff. And I was looking across, and basketball was on the, on the other courts. And there was this team playing, and it was a bunch of like Italian dudes and playing a team of Aboriginal guys. And the Italian dudes were big dudes. Like they were, it was like a, a proper. It was like a really ethnic game. I don't know if you... You didn't grow up in that area, but like all sports were so fucking ethnically linked. Like um, I played for Wannery British in soccer and then there was like um, Perth Italia and they actually stopped it. Um, but it was all Florida Athena, which was the mm-hmm. Greek teams. So everything, as far as sport went when we were growing up, it was very segregated with because it was such a multicultural area. So you'd play against a team of Africans and then you'd play against a team of English dudes and there was an Irish team and stuff like that. And it seemed to be just kind of the way sport was set in the northern suburbs in like the 90s. So this was probably early 2000s. All these uh, Italian dudes, they were big dudes. Like a couple of them were like quite fat, but there was always a couple of them on a basketball court. And the dude was taking a free throw and I was just glancing across and I was just watching it and I could see it. Craigie Leisure Centre was pretty rough. So like people had be getting pretty lippy and this italian dude was taking a free throw and he said something to one of the aboriginal guys and the dude just went he just walked casually up to him so you know you know the way a free throw is set up how you have people on the side and this dude you're looking at the i was looking at the ref and i'm just like you're not going to do anything in this situation obviously because these guys are monsters like everyone was massive both teams and he was just like kind of standing off to the edge and this dude just walked up and the guy that was taking the free throw sort of like postured as if he was like, what are you going to fucking do? And the guy hit him with like the cleanest right hook I've ever seen in my life. 
and it broke the guy's jaw so badly that he was walking around like you know when someone gets knocked out on their feet like he was walking around didn't know where he was he was having that fucking recall asking everyone what had happened but his jaw wasn't there it was like a bag of it was it looked like a bag just hanging off his top yeah jaw. there was no structure to his jaw Ugh. whatsoever and it was one of the grossest things i've ever seen that's terrifying <laughs> that's fucking terrifying social sport don't get involved unless you're a golden gloves and don't play against scott he'll throw a bin at you retired they were bolted do you know there's sex parties in perth yes i didn't someone that i know um was telling me about it the other day and they're these like kind of swingers parties and i was like that's fucking crazy and they were telling me that they went to one she went with her partner to this event and it's like a proper it looks like the way we used to run club nights it's like called um hedonism yeah hedonism yeah and i was she was telling me about it and she was like yeah we went just to look and like they give different wristbands to people and stuff like i'm up for whatever i'm kind of and it sounded like the wildest shit I'd ever heard. Like, I was like, that is fucking crazy. She's like, yeah, I was just sitting there having a drink and, like, there was someone's, like, someone getting, like, fucked next to me. And I was like, really? <laughs> but I was like, are the people attractive? Because this is a big question, right? Because I've never been to a fucking swingers party. And I, to be fair, I'm not going to go to a fucking swingers party. It's not, I, I think I know myself well enough to know that that's probably not a place I'm going to be that comfortable People are going to these parties and just fucking like having sex everywhere. Like one of them was on a boat. Other ones are in there. They're in like private venues and shit like that. But it's fucking wild. So yeah, everyone just kind of starts drinking at the start of the night and then they all introduce each other. But people are wearing like some weird shit. And like, I was like, are people attractive? And she was like, for the most part, no. (laughs) And I was like, that makes it really creepy because if there was a bunch of really hot people you'd be like that sounds like the way it would look in a movie (laughs) for me it's like my worst nightmare because imagine like as a male you have to go with a female and like it'd be your partner right so okay do you reckon you have to go with a female because they do i I think you i don't know from what i gathered with it it was like you need to kind of like register and they accept you or they don't i think there's probably a vetting uh, like procedure where you might be able to, but you think about it. If they were just like, dudes can come, it'd be ninety-seven thousand men lined up and like four women. So I think, I think, and I don't really know, but from what I understand, you go with like a partner. Like if a girl takes you, you can go. Or like let's just pretend for whatever reason you go with your partner. She's convinced you need to go. And my worst nightmare would be like. You just go and you just sit in a corner while your girlfriend gets <laughs> fucked by seven different dudes. And you're like, cool. <laughs> the dynamic's pretty crazy, man. Like, it's definitely... The funniest thing the, the funniest thing about it is that I my mind immediately went to, like, I wonder who runs it. Because there's a good chance that if it's in Perth and they're running, like, an events thing, like... It's probably the cowboy from the Republic. It's probably something, it's probably something like that. And, like, I'm... It makes you think, because, like, people want to explore shit. It's totally fucking reasonable. We live in a pretty, like, a pretty downplayed city. Like, I don't think, you know, that, that that's... If, if that was happening in fucking Berlin or something, you'd be like, that's totally normal. Like, I know that fucking um, Berg Iron... Yeah. 
has like a level which is pretty much just fucking on walls and stuff. But I know that like here, you're going to know some people, right? Like if you rock up, so you're like, I'm going to a fucking sex party. I, I don't know what fucking attire you wear. I could just imagine a lot of people being like, I'm just looking. I would definitely wear those Adidas snap pants. <laughs> <laughs> if you saw a dude walk into a sex party with Adidas snap pants, you're like, that dude fucks. Yeah, for real. <laughs> there is a weird Perth underbelly. I don't think I've... I think you know this story, but I definitely haven't told it on here. But when I was in uni, I worked at like a sex shop. But it was, I did not know this. You didn't? No. Oh, sick. Here we go. Um... I worked at a sex shop, but it wasn't like a fun sex shop. It wasn't like adult shop or like fucking whatever, you know, the, the nice clean one is. It was called the Underground Bookstore. And Where was this? It was across the road from the Fremantle train station. You would have passed it a million times, like on the edge of the cafe strip. Uh, where like there's like a, uh, a shoe store or something now. Like just in the corner there, there is a place called the underground bookstore and the draw card for this place was that we had a cinema in there and this cinema we just played like porn films and you could come in pay fifteen dollars and go in there and you could stay in there all day six seven hours if you wanted to we were open quite late and dudes would come in pay fifteen dollars for their for their ticket go in and just, I assume, just whack off for ages. I never saw a chick ever go in there. Side Sidebar, Perth actually has like a little sex compendium. I don't know what you call it, like an incarta for sex, for weird shit. They got published every now and then. And there were stories where you could write in. And that underground bookstore cinema was discussed a lot where gay dudes would come to meet up specifically to have sex. Yeah. I never physically set foot into the cinema. It you was, didn't have to clean it or anything? No, we gave a homeless dude money to come in and like clean it. So it wasn't very clean. <laughs> Bro. Dude probably wasn't really doing that good of a job. Bro. I thank, again, like I worked there for a year and I never, I never crossed the threshold into the cinema. I always stood like on the edge and kind of, I looked in a few times and it just looked like a quarter of a Hoyt's, you know, like, Stadium style seating, but just like five yeah, rows. Yeah, so like or Luna Cinema or something. Uh, like yeah, that. but just tiny, right? And uh, I would be the guy who had to put the film on. So there would be like a an array of films that we had a choice to put on. And in the morning, and I'm talking fucking eight a.m., bro. I was in there, start opening up and shit, opening the doors. There's two dudes waiting outside for me to open at eight a.m. So they come in and start jerking off. It was really, really fucking weird. But you know. Whatever. So many questions. I have a few funny stories from there, but one that I'll touch on a couple. One, one quick one. Dude came out and he said to me, "Hey man, have you got anything with more of a storyline?" <laughs> it took all of my power not to start hysterically laughing. And I was like, "Look, man, I just put, I just put whatever's on." I was like, "Here's what I've got. Which would you like?" He's like. Oh, that one looks good. So I pop, pop that bad boy on and off he went. But um, one of, the, one of the funniest, not funny, it's actually really sad. An old dude came in, like really old. And 
he couldn't walk very well. And he come kind of hobbling up to the front counter. He's like, oh, one for the cinema, please. I was like, yeah, cool, 15 bucks, no worries. And he's like, he walks over to the thing and there's like three stairs to go up. And he gets to the first one, takes a step, gets to the second one and slips. And he falls. And this dude was like fucking 85 at least. He slips and old men do not fall gracefully. He collected, like on the left-hand side with these shelves where we had all magazines and stuff, he's collected the shelves, knocked everything off the wall and sliced his arm from elbow to wrist. And he's pissing blood all over the floor. So I've had to go over and help this man up off the floor. I get him like some fucking um, cloths and stuff to like mop him up. It wasn't too bad. But I was like, you should probably go and see a doctor. And he's like, you know, no, nah, I'm fine. I'm going to go in anyway. And I'm like, fucking, uh, your fucking life, bro. Off you go. So up he hobbles these stairs, bleeding, goes into the cinema. No shit, seven minutes later, a guy comes rushing out. Call an ambulance. Someone's had a fucking heart attack. I had to call triple zero and get them to come into the cinema and carry this man out. He's had a fucking heart attack mid-vinegar stroke, oh pissing God. blood all over the floor. I can only imagine the scene in that cinema. And you're there like, where is he? And you're like, is he now? I'm not going in. I'm not going in, yeah. no. They literally had to bring a stretcher in to, to carry this man out. It was confronting, to say the least. We had some weird fucking things in there, like... I'm never going to judge people on their proclivities when it comes to sex, but, like, the audacity of some people and just the the fucking no shame of it. Like, a dude came in. This is pretty gross, but dude came in, and he's, like, browsing through magazines. Bear in mind, I'm an 18-year-old university student. I'm studying bio, no, what was it? Bio, biomedical science, and all I'm doing is watching, like, Foxtel, South Park, counting down hours, and Surrounded by dildos. Dildos. <laughs> as far as the eye can see. A savannah. <laughs> um, this dude comes in and has glasses on, quite smartly dressed. And he comes up to the, the front counter after looking through these magazines for a while. He's like, I'm looking for a particular magazine. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, like what, what are you after? And he's like, I need something specifically with gaping assholes. I'll never forget that sentence because I've never heard it again in my life. <laughs> Gaping assholes. And I was Is that like, the name of the publication? I, just, I don't know to this day. I was like, look, bro, what we've got is what we've got. Dude, it's your job, man. Like if I go into a fucking, if I go into Street X and I want an extra large and it's not, on the, it's not hanging there, it's like, can you check out the back? In hindsight, I was a terrible, <laughs> terrible employee. Terrible <laughs> But I also wasn't just browsing to find out where each weird fetish was. But you you're know? in their world, right? Because you're like people that have those sort of proclivities, they step into that place and to them it's not an uncomfortable place. Correct. But you're not comfortable in there. Mm-hmm. So they've, they've walked in and been like, this is a safe space. My people, this is, this is all good. Because I feel awkward as shit if I walk into a sex store. It's like, I don't fucking know why. There's a lot of dildos. There's a lot of fucking creepy people most of the time. I used to have to buy... Do you remember when they started selling... Um, it's called Spice now, but... the Yeah, that synthetic marijuana. Yeah, that they just sold it at sex stores. So I used to go in and buy 
fake weed and smoke that. And you go in and it'd just be like, I need to get the fuck out of here. There's no like a shit. creepiness about it. But in fairness, there's probably not a creepiness about it. There's just some people that are further down the rabbit hole of sex. And yeah, to walk in there. So to him, he was just like, well, you work here. Gaping assholes, please, sir. Can I have some? And you just shamed him. I, I, didn't, I didn't shame him. I probably shamed him. Who owned the store? A friend of mine's parents. And it was okay. They paid me in cash. <laughs> and, uh, and it was a good little side gig for me. I just sat there and watched Foxtel all day and just dealt with the shit. But like, I was kind of semi-excited when I first got the job because I'm like, I'm 18. You're like, ooh, working a sex shop? Like, there'll be like chicks coming in and like, you know, not one female. I worked there for more than a year <laughs> and not one female walked into that premise at any point. And there is fucking good reason for it. It doesn't sound like the um, the most approachable fucking sex store. A fucking hot take right now. I had a friend's dad come in, didn't know I worked there. <laughs> pretended like he'd never seen me before in his life. I pretended like I'd never seen him before in his Did life. Did he go in the cinema? He went in the cinema. Oh my God. Dude, Weird, was it the... What, you were 18? Mm-hmm. Surely internet porn was a thing. Like, you're going to go into his... I suppose maybe you're just going in there for... Maybe there's an extra thrill in... Well, like I said, they had that publication where dudes went in there for, like, gay sex. I don't think he was going in there for gay sex. Mm. Um, sounds really weird, me saying that. Just just two guys having sex in the cinema. It's fine. Whatever floats your boat. But I don't think he was there for that. I think he just maybe liked watching porn. I don't, I don't know what he liked. But that You don't happened. really want to think about it. Did you yeah. see him ever again afterwards? Yeah. See, so like, went around your mate's house? Yeah. He's like, I know that you know that I yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? I never told anyone. <laughs> Until now. Well, yeah, but no Whose one Whose dad was it? Just <laughs> Ollie's again. I didn't even know Ollie at that point, but um, we're fucking besmirching his name. Sorry, Ollie. Scott's just got... I love you, Ollie. <laughs> a weird perception of you. <laughs> Man, I never knew that. It's, that's so, it's so weird, though, dude. Like, the, the idea of these kind of swingers parties and stuff like that. Here, yeah, I used to date a girl who was like in the sex industry, I guess, and she was the one who told me about it, and like jovially, jovially, like threw out, "Oh, we should go," and I was like, "We shouldn't," for that exact yeah, reason I like, discussed I'm not, before. Yeah. I'm not sitting in the corner watching you get railed by <laughs> three crying. fucking tears coming out of my eyes. Give me another vodka Red Bull. Can I get you guys a towel? Or? <laughs> <laughs> Is it okay if we go now? <laughs> Like, I don't go on boat parties in general because you, there's no fucking exit. You can't get out. Yeah, so like a sex party on a boat. That's why I never go on wine tours. That bus to me is like fucking Alcatraz. You're stuck. You can't piss unless you fucking ask the bus driver to stop. You're completely screwed. You're fucked. You know what's funny is when we were doing bar open, we used to run a, a, a nightclubs in this, this club in the city. And on, I think it was Sunday nights in the downstairs room, there was like a events that doesn't get advertised and i had to go there to pick up money one night because if we got really drunk i'd just like leave the cash there in the safe and then go and collect i remember just going downstairs and it was like thumping techno music and like people walking around on all fours wearing like fucking six belts and like nothing else we went in one night and there was someone being crucified on a spinning pentagram and there was people like gently whipping them and stuff i was just like this is fucking mental like i didn't know any of this shit existed what, I wonder what gets you to a point in your life where you're like, I need 
You're talking about, I just need to get out of here. Yeah. Maybe if that manifests itself in being spun around on a pentagram and whipped by a fucking... What's the dude. transition? I don't know. Because do you go from you right now to that? Or is it a gradual thing? I think it's got to be gradual. I don't think anyone goes for that giant leap. There's probably a freedom in it. It's not for everyone. It certainly doesn't sound like my cup of tea. <laughs> we got some more questions. Uh, Corbin, my very good friend, has asked, Josh, what has been the coolest thing about your jiu-jitsu journey so far? <sighs> There's a lot of cool things. Um, I probably won't take too long with this because everyone gets bored of uh, hearing about jiu-jitsu. But Especially your jiu-jitsu journey. It sounds like a journey of self-discovery. Like It kind of is, you know. It's like um, the second puberty. It kind of is. I just sprouted my first pube. <laughs> It was white. <laughs> hey, you got a uh, congrats on your belt. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your, You got the... Got me a little the, stripe. The stripe, yeah. A little stripe. Everything about jiu-jitsu is cool. That's, that's the, the short answer. Yeah. I think what Blake touched on uh, the last time we had a conversation about it being a meritocracy, like exertion or like the amount you put in directly correlates to what you get out of it. And I think that's really cool. There's no like shortcuts. You do the work, you see it pay off. The coolest thing I think is like being taught something um, and then being able to like put it in practice in like a live role, for example, and it actually works and you're like, oh, fuck, like I can, I can do this. And for me, like personally, as I touched on before, there was like an existential reason why I felt like I needed to go and do this finally. And then for me, like even just getting that first stripe, it was like going to do jiu-jitsu for the first time was such a large hurdle for me, like mentally, getting that stripe, I think, was like my second step, you know? And now it's like, oh, I'm walking. And now yeah, I feel... Yeah, there's progression. Exactly. Now I feel like I'm actually there. But the one thing I didn't realize, instead of the coolest thing, I'll tell you one thing I didn't realize about jiu-jitsu, is that now at 37, I have arthritis. <laughs> <laughs> Man, those geese, I've popped the tendons in like three of my fingers. So you won't be able to see it on camera, but like my knuckles... Um, and I've only been doing it for like eight, nine months, but like my knuckles on three or four of my fingers are cooked to the point where it's like, it hurts to close my hands into a fist now. And that's just something you fucking deal with. And like, I'm bitching about it, but you've got people who've been doing it 10 fucking years. You see like ladies who are like really high level jujitsu players and they've just got fucking gnarly fingers. And it's just from gripping that gi. And it's all about like breaking grip. So grips are very important in jiu-jitsu. Like where uh, you always got to have some sort of grip and the other person is like trying to not let you have grips. So you will literally grab someone's hands and pull them straight off your, your gi. And if you don't let go, if you're still trying to hang on, man, tendons just fucking go in your fingers and it's just something that you just got to deal with. So yeah, now I have arthritis. So that's cool. <laughs> so arthritis is the main thing you've taken from your jiu-jitsu journey. Exactly. Before. Arthritis and that will never be a fucking piano player ever. There goes that dream. But thanks you for your question, Corbin. Um, and also I do like getting strangled by him. He's very sensual about it. He whispers things in my ear. There's a closeness. There is definitely a closeness, especially with him. That was one of the funniest things that Blake said in that podcast. He was like, people asking him how he kissed a man on camera. And he's like, I'm a fucking jujitsu class and you just had your balls in my face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, there is some fucking shenanigans that go down. I won't name names because they, they might get embarrassed. But we do have a friend, um, and I will name Delby. Delby was the perpetrator of this. And you know what Delby's like. He will push the fucking envelope. 
like the fucking the the gay envelope, Delby's gonna push it. And there is one guy who really doesn't like anything to do like with his face. Like don't get close to his face. And Delby knows this and he purposely like got him in the mount and kissed him on the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> You're in the wrong sport, bro. And the guy literally just like got up and was like, No, I'm fucking like I'm fucking going. <laughs> You like getting sweat and shit in your mouth. It's like that's the least of your fucking worries. Um, this would be a funny one. Well, maybe not funny, but interesting. Richo, Sam. I don't know Richo. Sam Richardson. He is instructor and amateur fighter. Um, seems like he does Muay Thai. Maybe. Seems like a cool dude. G'day, Richo. Um, he said, "What are some sports the boys, you and I, don't really consider sports?" You asked me this before, I can't remember. Darts. Oh, I was going to say <laughs> fucking darts, eh? Oh, it is pretty compelling, though. It is. I, I've definitely watched. It's great I've, watching. I've done things to try and fall asleep before. But like, there's a difference darts. between sports and a game of skill. <laughs> I feel like darts sits in the games of skill Hang category. on, let's think about that, because maybe there isn't. Like, if it's, a, if it's a game of skill where you're testing your skills against an opponent, I don't think esports is a fucking game. Esports is definitely not a fucking sport. sport I can yeah. tell you that right now. That's a really good Biggest example. Biggest sport in the world at the moment, apparently. Lawn bowls. Now, I had this argument. I'm not, I don't want to close the door for future things that I might do when I'm Dude, old. Dude, I had this argument. I didn't have this argument. I had this discussion with Matt, my friend, who's like our age, my age, um, and he plays lawn bowls for W and um, fucking froths it. And there is an aspect to it that is very, very demanding. Like, you have to stand out in the sun. And you have to really concentrate and it is taxing physically. But there are 90-year-old men that play lawn bowls. And for me, that's a game of skill. That's not a sport. That's not a sport. If it's, it feels like golf to me. <coughs> golf is a very interesting one. I can see why some people would think that it's a game of skill because it's not necessarily strength that gives you an advantage. But... Being athletic in golf will definitely help because I don't care who you are. On the 17th hole, when you've walked, there is like a degree of focus and there's a degree of like your athleticism that's going to enable you and mental toughness that's going to enable you to concentrate because that that swing has to be like replicable, has to be perfect every time. Otherwise, it's going off in the bush. I, I think golf's a sport. I think you're too close. I'm definitely too like, close. I'm not saying it's not. But, but I'm, I'm, the I'm thing open is, we, to it. Do we define... It's like, how do you define a sport? That's a weird thing because we're talking about like if, if the definition of sport was... What's the definition of sport, Tony? Let's have a look. I think it's like... Because it must be like a game of skill because if you think about it, like athleticism definitely plays a part in like a ton of sports. But it doesn't necessarily have to. Because if you are a really smart person or like you have the skill, then you would be able to still compete, right? Because like John, da- is it John Daly? John Who was Daly. the, yeah, the, the guy that smoked and was fat as shit and yep. he won like a bunch of golf stuff. Yep. Still playing, by the way. Really? He's still killing it. Still yep. alive. Yeah, man. So yeah, like I'm not disputing that these things are sports. I think that there's some fucking dumb sports. <laughs> so it's more like it's not... Not a sport. It's just a dumb sport. Yeah, like and I don't even <laughs> think golf's a dumb sport. Like I, I, I just 
I just don't partake. I've, I think I'd, I'd like to know how many people with ADHD play golf. My brother plays golf a lot. So he obviously finds it calming in some way. I like the driving range. I've played golf with Danny. He does not find it calming. No. <laughs> <laughs> and Danny will tell you that he does not find nah. it calming. <laughs> That's amazing. He fucking loves it though. Depends how his first three holes go. So a sport is an activity involving physical exertion and skill in which an individual or team competes against another or others for entertainment. Right. So, so there's, a comp- there's a competition aspect. There is also an exertion aspect. I think we can definitely scratch darts. Darts, definitely not a sport. Yeah, I'm done with darts. Like, if that's definitely not. Lawn bowls? There is a degree of exertion? Man, to me, lawn bowls and golf have got to be in this. They've, they've got to be distant cousins. Jeez, that's. Dude, you're trying to get a ball close to something else. True. 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 Like, I think AFL is fucking ridiculous. I've always thought AFL. I know it's not going to be a popular opinion, but I watch that shit. I've tried. I have tried and tried and tried and tried to enjoy that sport. And it just, there is nothing I can do. I've watched my dad, who was Mancunian, born and bred, Man United fan, went to every game, moved to Mancunian? Australia. Mancunian? Did you just make that up? You kidding me? <laughs> is that a thing? Yeah. Mancunian. <laughs> he died loving footy. Like he switched and he just really enjoyed it. My brother loves footy. My sister loves footy. My mom loves footy. And I would like nothing more than to like footy. And I have tried and tried and tried, but I just can't. We've had this discussion before about football. And it's like, I wish that I liked it too. Because everyone hell gets into it. And Yeah, it'd, I like the be, camaraderie of be being cool. in... Yeah. But then you get those people who are like, this is my biggest trigger. When you come into work on a Monday and some overweight fuckface... Who plays social fucking footy? We're like, oh yeah, we did so fucking well on the weekend. The boys really got up, you know. We fucking we really struggled, and you know, we did this and we did that. Cunt, you sat on the fucking couch and yelled at it at the TV for fucking an hour and a half. Why other people ran around and played sport? You didn't do anything. There is no we. Hey, without people like that, though, there would be no sport, right? We were talking before about Jack Jack's fight potentially being cancelled because of poor ticket sales. Maybe if more fat losers got themselves to a fucking stadium and yeah but no one's going out there being like oh you know we me and conor mcgregor we fucking we went really hard the other day we broke our leg dude <laughs> yeah. speak, speak to an irishman irish it's definitely a wee thing yeah but irish definitely a little bit psycho <laughs> i think i would love to love footy because it would be awesome to go it'd be awesome to Talk and, about and it's it with accessible. Your we have it here. Yeah, and it's it's fully accessible. And I even know people that play professionally that I've met, and they're great. And I respect the athleticism. I respect so much about it. I just can't fucking watch it. Like I watch it, and I'm like, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I don't give a fuck about football either. Is like race car driving a sport? That's a great question. I say yes, purely because of the like physical aspect of it. There's one thing you it was don't... motor sport, right? It's the one thing you don't understand. And I've been in a V8 supercar. My friend, very, I'm very lucky in that I have a lot of friends who have raced cars before. I've got two friends. One, Steve Jones, is the youngest ever winner of, uh, of Targa West, um, which is a tarmac rally where they go hooning around in the hills. Um, he won that a few, a few times. I think he's won it like three times. But my other mate, Matt, used to race in what they call Dunlop series, which is like V8 supercars is like top tier. The one underneath that where they have all the development drivers 
there is it's called the Dunlop series and they basically use like the previous year's cars race in this Dunlop series and we went to Winton once um over in, in Melbourne uh we're going snowboarding and um before he had a race at Winton and I got to kind of experience it all from the pit and I got to, I've been a couple of times one at Barbie Gallo one here and he took me for a drive and it was like it was an ex-HRT car, so for anyone who knows, like V8 Supercars, HRT is Holden Racing Team. He had, like, fucking Craig Lowndes, ex-Craig Lowndes race car that he bought. It was, like, fucking, I want to take a stab, and it was probably close to half a million dollars. I don't know. It was, a, it was a fucking a lot of money, this car. And he had a full team, like, guys doing data analytics, guys doing mechanical stuff, and, and he took me for a drive. The one thing that blows your mind when you go in a race car is not the power because I've been in some fucking fast cars. I've been in cars, road cars that are way faster than a V8 supercar in a straight line. It's the brakes. And the thing is with a V8 supercar, the way that they work, when you when you drive race uh, when you drive cars on a racetrack, you're taught that you approach a corner, you brake, you take your foot off the brake, you turn in, you hit the apex, and as you come out, you're on the gas and you power out. The V8 supercars, the way that they work, the way the aerodynamics work, you actually trail brake. So you're braking all the way into the apex and then you're on the gas on the way out. It's almost counterintuitive, but the strength of the brakes, the physical force that you feel in your body when they jam on the anchors really hard from like 230 kilometers an hour or whatever the fuck it is, it's like, it's fucking surprising. That's the thing that got me the most and the G-force. And then you talk about like Formula One those guys do like neck strengthening exercises. The next time you watch like Yeah, they're any, all jacked in the neck. When eh? you watch F1, have a look at Daniel Ricciardo's neck. The dudes, it starts at his traps and goes up. And there's a reason for that because the G that they're pulling through those corners is so fucking immense that they have to keep their fucking necks super strong because your fucking head will be all over the place. Like that to me is a bona fide sport, especially when you're talking about like a racetrack like Singapore where humidity's through the fucking roof and you're doing like 50 laps in this fucking car that's on a razor's edge at all times. Like that to me, peak mental, peak physical, skill, all of that, I think. And you're competing with the best in the world. So I definitely put motorsport up there as a, as a sport. The only other one was from uh, Blake, actually, our previous guest. The importance of being silly as an adult. We were talking about this, I think, on that podcast, like trying to not take everything so seriously. I get a bit deadpan sometimes, a bit stressed out on shit, but it's definitely, you do need to be a bit fucking ridiculous. Do you know anyone that you look at and go, that's the role model for what I want in life? Like anyone that's really happy that's in their like 70s. No, but I would take like I would take slices out of multiple people. Yeah, but like it's not it's it's occurring to me more and more as I get older and older that like you said, your dad did all the right things and he still got fucked over, and then I look at a bunch of people that I know and they've lived their lives and you we we kind of all live our lives in a way to go, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to get this and I'm going to be happy. But then there's the other side of the hill. Because it looks very much like everyone kind of gets a bit jaded and a bit miserable and then just fucking tapers off, you know what I mean? And like, it's just something that's been alarming and been showing, I'm probably not expressing it very well. I've definitely seen a repeating pattern of people peaking. Maybe people aspire to have like a really big house or have big career aspirations and stuff like that. 
But at the end of the day, you're going to end up with dementia or you're going to fucking die of a heart attack or there's not really a peaceful route. And it just occurred to me that like, as much as people do say, oh, you should live in the moment, you need to enjoy yourself. I think being silly is like a big part of that. But it definitely is a concerning thing that I can't pick a point. I can't pick a future point to aim for. You can aim as much as you want, but at the end of the day, it's all going to turn to shit. So you need to enjoy the journey a fair bit. And I think a big part of that is like not taking everything so fucking seriously. Yeah. And being funny and being stupid. Like I definitely am more in a phase in my life at the moment where I'm like searching for answers or looking or asking the questions rather than just being like, eh, it's all good. It's fucking funny. Let's just keep things rolling. You know what I mean? And I do aspire to be more carefree and to be to be funnier and less intensely looking for some answers you know what i mean i think there's less relevance now in absolutes you're not going to get to a point where you're like okay cool clocked it this is happiness i'm done i think there's a degree of compromise because there's an opportunity cost to anything you do so i think understanding that compromise and letting go of some things that might have been aspirational at one point to be able to get to a point where you're happy isn't necessarily a negative. I think it's, I think it's kind of par for the course. I think we have to get acclimatized to compromise and be able to be happy irrespective of what you have to have given up on the way. What, what do you think the compromise is for? Because the other side of it is just to do whatever you want and just be fucking, just just know that it's all going to turn to shit and be as happy as humanly possible. Exactly. So the, the two like polar opposites would be, okay, I'm 25, going to get married and have kids. You've now compromised, compromised the the, the opportunity, the cost, freedom, the opportunity cost is the freedom. But by being Captain Jack Sparrow and having girls shit in your bed and um, doing whatever the fuck you want, your compromise is the fact that you might never be able to have the kids or have the wife or have that connection with someone. So there's a compromise there. Both sides of the coin equally valid. I don't think we can have it both ways. Yeah. Well, you just need to pick your poison, right? Because if you go too far down the hedonistic avenue of (laughs) going to sex, if you go down that road of just like all pleasure and all fun, then that would get pretty dull and pretty boring. But if you go down the, the road of being really sensible and really regimented, that would have its pitfalls as well. Mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, there's a path that starts and you figure shit out as you're growing up. And then you hit a point where you become relatively self-aware and you aim for more self-awareness. But part of that self-awareness is that it's probably all going to end in tears. So you may as well try and enjoy it as much as possible. But enjoyment in that, comes in many different forms so enjoyment can come in like helping others or it can come in being really into following a sports team or it can be you see what people start sort of dedicating their lives to i just wonder if people have that thought of going it all kind of doesn't mean anything anyway so i'm going to care about this this is the thing i'm going to care about the most or if we just kind of blindly do that Mm. do you think people pick things and go i'm this is what i'm going to be into like if I love Man United and I'm going to go and I'm going to watch all the games, I'm going to dedicate like 
a certain amount of my time to knowing what's going on with that team and all that. Do you think that that's something that just like comes your way and you start choosing and, and, and you make that decision? Or do you think, I wonder if anyone is like, this is a, a big decision because it's, it's, I'm going to dedicate a fair bit of time to this and it's going to take me away from maybe being into fucking figure skating. Hmm. I'd, I think generally we're all just, as we said before, like going down the stream and just picking up things as you go. But I don't know. I'm starting to look at things a little bit more like what value is this going to give me? Is it worth my time? Or is it if I'm upset by something or I'm stressed out by something, I'm like, how much does it really fucking matter? Yeah. And it's also cool to change your fucking mind too. You said before you can like love Man United and like be a fucking soccer hooligan. But there may come a time where you're like, oh, I'm kind of fucking done with that now. Me and Tony are both, uh, (laughs) we've been discussing this regularly as Man United fans. (laughs) Because it is not fun at the moment. <laughs> you realise that you've grown up a Fairweather fan? Like, I, mean, I happen to be born in Manchester. I happen Mancurians. to be born in that way. Mancunians. Thank oh, you very sorry. much. Um, and then you're like, yeah, wasn't that's that, a team wasn't I support. Was that a Star Wars universe? Mancurian candidate? Mancurian candidate was a... Uh, Manchurian candidate, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, that yeah. was... Uh, but the Manchurian was like Boba Fett or something? Mandalorian. Oh. Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> We're so cultured, eh? I know, we're so cultured. <laughs> well, I think that pretty much does it for Fuck us. Fuck yeah, for man. Tomorrow. Guess what? Another tomorrow on a plane, new state, first time in two years. Hopefully I don't get arrested and end up in a Melbourne jail. Oh man, hopefully neither of us fucking get COVID as well. Hey, just to touch on that. So COVID has obviously been dropping bombs all around us. Hard. There's seven people in this office, I think. My entire gym got rinsed through on Easter weekend. It was untouchable, like baby. Un-fucking touchable. I said in the Jeff last pod. next to me, sits next to me, COVID. Yep. Me and Ben, only ones left in the office that haven't had COVID. I had a sweaty COVID positive man on top of me on the weekend and Scott free, brother. I told you yesterday though, because I got the booster on Tuesday mm-hmm. and I was like, it's all good take the booster and then i woke up yesterday just being like i am fucking i've either definitely got covid or this is some fuck shit and i was i was wiped like it absolutely wiped me out my bones hurt jesus christ yeah but then it washed off and i'm good so we've made it to melbourne at this point yes i don't want to spend a week of that in fucking isolation look i have a i have an old dude at work who got it and he was out for three days so worst case you should be fine but I'm I'm resided in the fact that I'm probably going to get it while I'm in Melbourne. My boss went to Melbourne, watched a footy game, came back COVID positive. So if I'm going to get it, it's going to be this weekend. So pray for me. Bring it on. Pray for me. So the obligatory fucking like and subscribe on YouTube. Yeah, fuck. And seriously, like and subscribe on YouTube. You know because what? there's a bunch of people listening. Fucking get in the comments. Have a couple Say of chats. Say some shit. You know, Chris D'Elia always says, make friends. You know, make friends in the comments. Drop a like. Subscribe, drop a comment. Maybe someone else will see you comment and, po- and comment on that, and then you guys can be friends. You can all be pod pals. That's it. it Give us a reason to keep going because this won't be here forever. Exactly. It could be gone tomorrow. Peace. Peace. Lovely. Club Point. Club Good. 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 Club Good.